Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, where you can learn from entrepreneurs and investors who are driving progress in healthcare and life science across the globe. My name is Joe Schunkweiler. I'm a physician and former health tech executive. And my name is Alex Merwin. I'm an operations executive who's worked at two startups that exited as unicorns. And now Joe and I work with healthcare and life science startups and investors at AWS. To celebrate the new year, we're trying something new in today's episode. As we attend events, we have the opportunity to meet a wide range of individuals who are passionate about improving healthcare outcomes, increasing access to care, and driving down costs. Today, we'll be featuring a group of health innovation leaders recorded on-site at November's Health Conference, answering two questions for us to reflect on as we enter 2023. Our first question is about the benefits of in-person events. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Many of us became accustomed to virtual communication as a way to stay connected and to continue business operations while practicing social distancing and other safety measures. While virtual communication has its own unique benefits, such as convenience and cost-effectiveness, in-person events offer the opportunity for face-to-face interaction, networking, and a more immersive and engaging experience overall. Our guests will be sharing what they get from in-person events that they miss from virtual ones. The second question looks forward to 2023 and gives our guests a magic wand. If they could wave it and magically eliminate any barrier to health innovation, what would they eliminate and why? We'll be joined by healthcare innovators from Redesign Health, Maven Clinic, Luma Health, Health Gorilla, Matter, Mission-Based Media, Keep Labs, Memora Health, Bioformis, Unseen Capital, and Brightside Health. You'll hear each innovator introduce themselves and answer our first question, then I'll be back to guide us into the second part of our episode. So, what is it that our health innovators get from attending events in person versus virtually? Let's dive in. I'm Missy Krasner. I work for Redesign Health. I'm a venture chair there currently, and I'm formerly of Amazon and Google. What do you get from an in-person convening of minds like this that you just couldn't get through? There's so many things, but what I will say is for many of us that have been seeding companies, funding companies, and launching them, I'm in the last mile of a couple of my companies that are out raising a Series A right now, and we've been in full sort of diligence cycle. Everything's been online, or it's been interviews, talking to patients, talking to providers, or employees in our company. Gone were the times where you would fly out to the company's headquarters, and you would spend a day there and get a walkthrough and like meet the whole team. So to be able to come to a conference and meet potential investors that have been spending the last three to four weeks with the team and meet like live in person, because you're going to go on this journey together if you're actually taking a board seat and writing you know, a Series A check. Well, that's like my number one high in being here. I would say the number two high would be to really actually be able to connect with people that have been in the industry for about 20 to 30 years, have seen every sort of you know, funding event, highs and lows in the company uh, or in the industry and who are like, just basically have so much institutional knowledge that when you sit down and talk to them and you're like, oh yeah, I remember when we worked together on A, B, and C, or I remember when that company had an exit, or I remember when I was at Google and we did this. It's just really interesting to see where they're at now and what they're doing and what they're thinking. So that's what I've really enjoyed. My name is Chris Hicks. I'm the SVP of Employer Growth at Maven Clinic. I would say the number one thing by far is just the energy in the room. And we, uh, at Maven, we actually had an exciting announcement yesterday. We announced a fundraise and being able to be at the booth here and have people come by and give us that congratulations in real time has been fantastic. And none of that would have been possible in a virtual environment. Hi, my name is Aditya Bunsod. I'm one of the founders and CTO at Luma Health. I think there's so much that's better that to do live. 
Uh, for example, actually I just had a meeting earlier today where I was working with a vendor who we we're actually trying to buy something from. And thing, this conversation about negotiating a pricing agreement and contract, it would have taken a quarter over Zoom. We got it done in 15 minutes over a piece of paper in like a little show floor booth. So like just those sorts of things, like the speed and liquidity of being able to like make real time decisions and not so much like, let me go back and ask this, let me go back and ask this. Like all the decision makers are here at our fingertips. And I think that's been, that's like a real positive impact that I've had like actually being back in person. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Steve Yaskin, CEO and co-founder of Health Gorilla. I personally thrive on meeting people person to person. This is the best way to learn the current trends in a healthcare space, what hurts, what are the newest requests. We're meeting a lot of customers here on the floor. We're meeting a lot of prospects here on the floor and kept, kind of uh, keeping a hand on a pulse, so to speak. And it's so much easier face to face you get this boost of energy coming from people just sharing much more openly than in press releases or even email exchanges, right? And there's no real substitution for the face-to-face -face dialogue like that. Stephen Collins, I'm the CEO of Matter. We found, as I think everybody has, that you can be very intentional about interacting with people virtually and get a lot done that's transactional or that's planned. But the experience of being in person with so many people, there's just so many things, so many people you run into, so many like little nuances that happen from in-person interactions that just don't happen virtually because you can't plan everything out. We found that just reaching out to people and be like, hey, are you going to be at you know this conference and let's get together, people actually respond whereas if you just were to reach out and be like hey I've never met you before but can we get on a zoom people are like I don't know. I'm Dan Kendall the CEO of Mission Based Media the serendipity the creative collisions that happen just because you're simply a few feet away from someone who's also looking for a place to sit down to eat or uh, equally confused about where the next meeting is those serendipitous introductions and opportunities to, to meet people, realize that, that you have some shared uh, mission and goal and interest, uh, and then finding ways to help each other because we all want to see the healthcare industry improve, but when you can meet someone that you wouldn't have connected with on a Zoom, when you wouldn't have necessarily reached out to on LinkedIn and said, you seem interesting, let's set up a time to introduce ourselves, when you can just accidentally, uh, just simply based on where you're physically located, run into someone and have that, that interaction and then see how you can help someone else and you often find that they can help you with what it is that you're working to do. So that's the great thing about coming back to these meetings. I'm Jeff Wanzura, uh, Chief Executive Officer at Keep Labs and I'm a pharmacist by trade. The, the virtual conferences have a place but this is where you build real relationships and real connection. The collisions that we've had with random people in which we have a kind of working relationship, an opportunity to actually collaborate and have a real creative mindset. I think is what really builds in this type of environment. And it's not necessarily just a quick kind of Zoom call every 15 minutes. This is an opportunity to actually engage and kind of understand a platform to a deeper degree and understanding the issues that patients are having at the end of the day. So this has been, again, phenomenal conference and the dialogue that you have is really a function of that in-person. Jamie Colbert, I'm the SVP of Care Delivery at Memora Health. I found during the pandemic with virtual conferences, you're really just going from one session to another, right? So you don't have the opportunity to interact and engage in a exhibit hall like what we have right here today. And so for me, this is how I'm spending most of my time, right? It's 
you know, just chatting with interesting folks like you, learning about other companies, making connections. In many cases, there are conversations that start here at the conference and then they continue. And you just never know where some of these relationships are gonna go in terms of both personal friendships and developing business relationships. So like to me, that's what's important about going to these conferences and why it's worth getting on a plane to travel and, and be in person, right? Is that you get to have serendipitous encounters that you just never know where they're going to lead. I'm Shiza Hussain with uh, Bioformis and I'm the Chief Commercial Officer. It's the personal connection, right? Healthcare is personal, it's about marrying technology with that personal element of care. In these events, it's the same thing, right? When you can really accelerate, when you can bring together the best of technology, which we do at these events, and then also the people. Because that's how you really then create relationships and partnerships that are going to help drive healthcare and enhance you know, in a big way. I am Liz Rocket. I am a Senior Advisor for Unseen Capital. This conference has been a little bit of a reunion, which is so much fun. So, you know, 20 years into this industry, getting to just see familiar faces is so much fun and uh, gives a lot of energy, for sure, as you say. Um, but I think even more than that, it just it sparks so much curiosity, right? So I might see one familiar face get introduced to somebody else, and it's all of those sort of great chance uh, connections that are my favorite part of an event like this. Hi, I'm Brad Kittredge. I'm the founder and CEO of Brightside Health. I never thought of myself as a conference guy. Uh, I always thought it was a chore and oddly showing up at Health this year has just been really energizing and actually really refreshing. So after having so many meetings with people on Zoom and seeing faces across the screen, um, I've been really surprised by just the serendipity of bumping into people walking around and how many people I actually know here. It really makes the digital health community feel like a community to see people um, you know, both virtually and in person and see them at different events as people are getting together more and more. And what I think that helps with is just uh, more opportunity for serendipity, for creative conversations and solution finding together. We're halfway through today's episode, and so far we've heard from a number of health innovation leaders about the benefits of in-person events. They emphasize the value of face-to-face -face interactions in building relationships and deepening their personal networks, as well as the inspiration and ideation they experience at in-person events. Up next, we'll be asking our guests about their vision for the future of health innovation. If they had a magic wand and could wave it to eliminate any barrier to progress, what would they eliminate and why? If I could give you a magic wand and you wave this magic wand and poof, you can disappear, make vanish any hurdle to health innovation and no restrictions, what would it be in mind? Well, the thing that I think we've all been working on, particularly back in the Amazon and Google days, would be just like if we really could just not worry about interoperability and data liquidity, data following the patient, if that was just poof, we got that solved, which should have been solved 20 years ago. The fact that you can go to any ATM globally and you can go to a star system or an interlink system and you can get money out in like the tiniest part of Turkey, right? Whatever country you're in. But you cannot literally go across the street from Sutter to the Palo Alto Medical Foundation Clinic or to Stanford, like literally it's two blocks and they're two different epic instances unless they're like opting into Lucy, it just doesn't happen. So if if that was solved, you'd see a whole other wave of innovation because then it would be data unlocking, it would be people really mining data in ways that were like useful for risk scoring, pop health, rather than having all these like walled gardens of like I have to extract the data out of the EHR, then I've got to find a third party vendor that's going to suck that data out into their pipes and do a whole bunch of stuff with it. And it's like you've got sort of this like 
hodgepodge of cottage industry systems, right? I would say, you know, a, there's a couple out there, um, but one is definitely having better integrated EHR systems. And it's everybody's kind of pipe dream that they would love to get to. How do we get all these systems to talk to each other? If we could have health records that were visible across all of the platforms, be able to follow that full patient journey, it would be incredible and I think make a lot of our lives easier for the companies that are here today. My magic wand were like, let there be proprietary APIs. And it's a very controversial statement because everyone's like, yes, healthcare, like digital IT equity is all about fire and that sort of stuff. Honestly, doesn't matter to me. What I want is the best APIs for the platforms that I want to integrate with. I want every EHR, every HIE, every tech stack, every third party vendor, I want to use their APIs to let me do the best thing possible with their software. I, I think one of the challenges when we have, um, if I don't have this magic wand, is we get airplane food, which is, it's good enough for everyone. Everyone gets fed midair, but no one's particularly happy with what the food was, right? And so what I'd really love is like, no, I want to sit down and go to like Cipriani in New York, right? And then I want to go to like Thomas Keller's restaurants in Las Vegas, right? I know they're the best of their kind. I want to go to those restaurants and get the best thing from Epic. I want to get the best thing from ECW. I want to get the best thing from Commonwealth. Like I want the best of the best so I can do great work with them. A lot of companies probably would tell you we would like to remove the red tape, right? But they're not thinking the other side. Red tape is there for the reason, right? And if you probably ask 10 entrepreneurs here that would tell you that they're struggling with the red tape, compliance, privacy, security and all that infrastructure problems but it is there for a reason we're a very different industry we have to worry about the compliance and most of all privacy and health grill is one of the organizations that is building the bridge between the public sector and the private sector it's kind of a unique position for a commercial company to be in between so what would i remove i would remove probably inertia and incumbent style of mentality and this is why healthcare is kind of slow to adapt. We would like maybe to be able to bring more new ideas to the market a little bit faster. But I think we have seen tremendous amount of acceleration from the government in the last couple of years with the TEFCA advances, with the 21st century cures law, finally gaining ground and becoming uh, productizable almost act of Congress. Yeah, it took an act of Congress to make that happen, literally, but we're seeing a lot of advances. So I am very excited about the future and where healthcare is heading towards in this country. Fee-for-service healthcare. Why? Because the more that the economics are aligned between patients and providers and and you know doctors and then providers and then payers and then suppliers and everybody else the more opportunity there is for technologies that can really improve health to get traction in a way that makes sense from the in terms of economics and the more we continue to rely on a system where payment is not based on outcomes but it's just based on activity the harder it is for a lot of these companies and a lot of these technologies that can really make a giant difference in improving health and improving healthcare, the harder it is for them to get traction. You know, that's, that's a really interesting question. And there are so many different things that are barriers to innovation. And I think, you know, there was a movie, uh, Tom Cruise movie years ago, and he said at the very beginning, I think it was called Vanilla Sky, if you ask 100 questions, the answer to 99 of them is money. 
And I think that of all the choices, of all the things that I could say I would change to, to reduce barriers and obstacles in creating in healthcare, if we could develop things without being concerned about the money, it's an ideal world. But if we could address the money situation, um, I think that would free up a lot of creativity. Um, but there's two dozen things I could list for you. I'd say having that barrier point in between a person who has a problem and those solutions that exist today, on having that friction point or that type of delta removed as much as we can. Because there's a bunch of people that are doing really innovative, interesting work, and that friction point that exists between them, whether it be a payer, a provider, whoever it might be, having that entry point directly to solve those, those issues. And that's going to kind of have this virtuous or kind of flywheel effect where we can start to iterate faster and faster. Can you give me an example of one? So I think it would be a good situation where working directly with the health system where if there is an instance and we're working in the medication management space well how do you start to drive optimal patient behavior or how do you get them back on track and having this virtuous feedback cycle where it's a very tight feedback loop on an intervention being applied there's some outcome being observed how can you start to build that data set in a way that again really meets patients on their terms so how do you remove that barrier how do you have that real-time feedback loop that doesn't necessarily have that corporate feel is meeting patients on their terms in their home i think the biggest challenge is uh, you know, are many in healthcare. And you know, one thing that you know, has been a frustration for me across multiple jobs that I've had over the past 10 years in health technology has just been how siloed we are. The different provider systems just not easily communicating with one another. The health plans and the provider systems, right, having such barriers between them. Consumers and care delivery organizations, right? Just having a hard time really interacting and having kind of that seamless ability to connect 24-7 in ways that consumers in other industries, right, can easily go online and just have access to financial information or find out uh, what's going on in the news or get the weather report or any of that. With healthcare, there are just so many barriers and so many silos that make sharing information difficult that also impede innovation in healthcare, right? And so I would say if I could wave a magic wand, it would be to really lift those barriers that are impeding the flow of information and the flow of data such that we can you know, have more instantaneous sharing of that data, which can enable the innovation that we need to move forward. You know, when you say innovation, people think technology, but mine's going to be different from that. What I'll say is people's hesitancy to change. It's change management. Virtual care can be so powerful for every one of us who lives on this planet, but people are afraid to change. They're afraid that they're going to be giving up something. And, and what we do, right, what I'm all about, you know, in healthcare is about virtual care and bringing care to the people. But the first barrier and the biggest barrier we have is people realizing that that can be as good or better care than they receive today. It is healthcare after all. And we've got a lot of uphill battles in our industry, but but the one that I've been just really on my mind and thinking about a lot lately is around how venture funding works in our industry and where that venture capital goes. We still see that we predominantly fund white men. That's that's our norm. And there are so many talented entrepreneurs and ideas that are coming out of communities that we don't typically fund. So if I could wave a magic wand, it would be to just let us all see what the world of innovation and entrepreneurship would look like if we were able to rapidly change that norm. I'm certainly happy, hoping that we don't just need a magic wand, we can do it, but, but that would be my magic wand today. In our space, uh, our focus is really on treating the highest need cases in mental health care. 
and that includes those with high severity, complexity, and acuity, depression, anxiety, and related conditions. People are having struggles with that across all populations and across all socioeconomic stratifications, but the biggest barrier and challenge is really that Medicaid is the largest payer for mental health services in the U.S., but as a provider, it's just really, really challenging to accept Medicaid for a few reasons. One is just the logistical contracting and the, the way the program is carved up um, makes it really, really challenging to be a nationwide provider, right? I think it was all conceived of as, as being local or regional care providers in that system. So it makes it very tricky and, and having a national ability to serve Medicaid uh, would be really highly valuable for us. The other is that unfortunately the uh, mental health reimbursement in Medicaid for fee-for-service is just untenable for pretty much any provider. And so making sure that the reimbursement for mental health services lines up with the care uh, and the value being added um, would really open up those who need care the most to, to be able to get the care that they deserve. Well, that's a wrap. We hope today's episode sparks some ideas as you develop your plans for 2023. We want to take a moment to thank our guests from Redesign Health, Maven Clinic, Luma Health, Health Gorilla, Matter, Mission Based Media, Keep Labs, Memora Health, Bioformis, Unseen Capital, and Brightside Health for sharing their insights and experiences. Thanks again for listening to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. It helps others find us and keeps the conversation going. Until next time, stay kind and keep innovating.